Hey everyone, this is Chris. And Holly. And we just wanted to tell you before this episode gets started that this will be a spoiler-filled episode. All the spoilers you want and all the information you want about Shazam will be here filled with spoilers, guys. Like, one of the biggest spoilers in the movie is the fact that, and again, this is the spoiler episode. If you want a spoiler-free episode, go to the spoiler-free episode. Stop listening right now if you haven't seen it. If you've not seen this, stop listening. Because here comes a big spoiler in three, two, one. Adam Brody is in this movie. Adam Brody is in this motherfucking movie, guys. And Holly is going to talk about it in length in the actual episode and first i will just tell you about my love i have of adam brody my brother was born 14 years ago and i had the option to either be there for his birth or meet adam brody guess which i picked you met adam brody <laughs> I met adam brody <laughs> uh, Adam Brody gave birth to your brother. Oh That's what I God. just got out of it. It's true. <laughs> Shh, don't tell anyone. Uh, Adam Brody's been attached to DC Comics properties for a while. Yeah, but we'll get into that in the podcast. Yeah. So we're glad that he's finally getting his due. He's earned it. Yeah. They did him dirty. They did, but finally he is in a DC Comics yeah. movie. Because well, they got their, their, their stuff together. They got it together finally. Yeah. So enjoy this spoiler-filled episode. That's the 1974 Shazam TV show theme song. Shazam! Hi, and welcome to a very special episode of the AT&WB podcast. I am your host, as always, Chris Taylor, but I'm joined here today with the one and only our resident harry potter expert but we will not be talking about a harry potter movie this time in fact we will be talking about shazam and how we saw it a little bit early but the person who's joining me right now is holly levesque hi guys it's holly <laughs> yay <laughs> <laughs> so yes we saw shazam early about two weeks early yeah, I got an email from Fandango, and they said, would you like to see this movie early? And I said, hell yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so we went and saw it, and it was pretty remarkable. And we're going to have an early review right here, right now for you. Absolutely. So as I already said, the movie was wonderful. It was imaginative. It was well acted. I felt the through lines were perfect throughout the entire movie. And I felt there was an obvious assertion that people make where it's like big meets Spider-Man, I would say. And I feel like it holds true to that throughout the film. I feel like it's what Spider-Man's always wanted to be and never could be. I don't even think it. I don't even know. It's not like any other superhero movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, it's definitely not like a Marvel movie. No, it's better than a Marvel movie. It's better than any Marvel movie I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah. I mean... And, the... like, I don't have a... Pref like, I like all comic book movies. It isn't like I'm a diehard one fan either way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like where we used to say Marvel movies were bright and colorful, while DC movies were kind of drab and weary in their colors... 
I feel this movie makes Marvel movies look drab and weary in their colors. I feel like with, this, yeah. With how bright and vibrant it was. This movie made me feel like Marvel movies have like a weird filter on. Like, is that sepia? Is that crema? Is that Valencia? Like, I don't know exactly, but everything kind of looks a little bit blurry and not real. Like, I definitely felt like Shazam was set in a world like mine. And I don't think any world I've seen in Marvel is anything like my world. Yeah, well, I think there's a layer of, you know, there's always a layer of CG and processing, CG processing that comes with these. So you can see a movie like Captain Marvel, and with each scene that Samuel L. Jackson's in, obviously, they have to then go in and digitally change him and tone him down and, and age him down to be 90s Samuel L. Jackson. So that means that they took all of these parts of the film, and then, you know, for months, like a year, they were already done, but they're just in this post-production process with these things. And I feel like that almost mutes the colors in some way. But then again, I mean, this movie has CG everywhere throughout it. Oh, hell yeah. They have, but their CG was like Ghostbusters. Like This felt like yeah. the Ghostbusters, like the Seven Deadly Sins. It felt like that. It didn't feel like, this is a CGI monster. I'm like, this is a Ghostbusters gargoyle yes. from hell. So we'll start with the beginning of the movie, because obviously these this is spoiler intensive. Definitely. And so the movie opens with a child in the backseat of a car in the 70s. Yeah, it was like instantly anyone who like has any Christian Catholic background was like, this is a Christmas song that my parents have played for me. So it was like <laughs> an immersive experience immediately where I was like, oh my God, I'm in this car. You know, like, like I, it's... And the entire time you're thinking they're going to crash because it's a snowy road. The entire time you're going to, yeah, you're just... And then suddenly everyone disappears except for the kid in the back seat and the kid gets transported to Shazam's secret lair to see if he's worthy or not of taking on the mantle of the six powers that Shazam has and becoming Shazam. Yeah, is he pure and worthy enough? Yeah. To protect everyone from the seven deadly sins because the seven deadly sins were set off into the world and they killed millions millions of people so they were controlled by the six wizards that like the only surviving one is shazam yeah and so shazam is just there in this lair and he says the kid isn't worthy because the kid's almost obsessed with grabbing this ball that is the seven deadly sins power that is being blocked right now and through the power of the wizards yeah and well, now just Shazam, yeah. the final wizard. And so he says, you're not worthy. Get out of here. Then oh. he's immediately back in the car with his family. And he's like, what the fuck? Like, I was just in this place with this right. wizard. And then he freaks out. And the brother is like, hey, dipshit, like, stop, like, screwing Freaking around. Out. And then they, like, almost got into a car accident. And then, like, the father's given this little kid that we just saw, like, you know, almost become this big thing, this superhero whatever shazam is you know he but then his dad is like you little shit and then suddenly a car comes out of nowhere and and then we don't really know yeah. the dad is dying we don't really know what is going to happen he's been ejected from the car he's been ejected by from the car he it seems to be dying 
And we leave it with this little kid thinking he basically, like, killed his father. Then we go to Billy's origin story, which was him. Yeah, so that's setting up, that that whole thing is setting up the villain's origin story. And then we're, I think we immediately go to Billy's, which is he's at a carnival of some sort, and he's playing a game with his mom, and he wants the tiger, and then she gets him this compass keychain and she's like it'll always lead you home and then they're walking and he drops the keychain and then he goes searching for it and then he loses his mom in the process and he never finds her guys or does he and that's why he that's why now we get to the year 2019 and billy baston is a is a hoodlum on the street Stealing cop cars, trying to find his mom. Yeah, so he's using the computer in the cop car to try to hunt down his last name to try to find his mom. Which leads him to get arrested. Well, not like really arrested, but like, you know, just brought in. And then they're like, hey, didn't you run away from your group home or whatever a few weeks ago? <laughs> yeah, so this leads us to Billy being a foster kid. Mm-hmm. And he's 14 years old in this. And... He is? I didn't know he was 14. Yeah, I think he's supposed to be 14 years Aww. old. And in it, and in the foster home, he meets what will become his family. Yeah, it's the two parents who have a collection of different foster kids. They were foster kids as well, so uh, that's obviously why they do what they do. He meets Freddie Freeman, who would, who is his foster brother. And who is obsessed with the world of superheroes that exists within their own world. So Superman and Batman obviously exist. And Freddy is obsessed with Batman and Superman and Aquaman and Wonder Woman and has different things such as a replica of the Batarang. And he actually has a bullet that's that hit into Superman and squished. And he has it in a little pouch that says that it's authentic and it costs like $450. Something like that. Yeah. And he is just, you know, like the resident super... Like, because there's this definite trend in recent television and movies, I would say, where they have an expert at something. So he is our resident expert uh, in superheroism, you know? So he is always asking questions and that's what his conversation based is. And obviously along this journey, he is one of the most important characters because somebody needs to be an expert in superheroes in this movie. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it's really refreshing in a movie like this to continually be referencing the universe. And to have a kid who's geeking out the entire time. And I honestly, and based on things that happen later on the movie, I have to preface this, that this is a thought I had at this point. And I'm like, this kid, like one is really, really talented. The guy who plays Freddy I don't know how old he is. I have no idea who this kid is, but he's really good. I thought that he did an excellent job. But the he entire did a time, really great job. I was just like, God damn it. This kid is just like baby Seth Cohen. I'm like, did they just write this to be baby Seth Cohen? <laughs> this is just, is this baby? Like, Seth Cohen from the OC. The- obviously. I mean, if you don't know what I'm saying when I say who Seth Cohen is, like you need to watch the OC one. <laughs> yeah. The OC, which by the way, has Seth Cohen at a dinner with George Lucas, literally George Lucas at one point. Yeah, like, there's so many different reasons to watch The O.C., but one of the reasons is to, like, really discover who Seth Cohen is and who Seth Cohen is 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 this character, really. But then I thought I was being, like, really, really racist against, like, little 
pale brunette boys. Like, there aren't all going to be Seth Cohen, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. But this one was. But this one was. So then, in the movie, we then see that this one person is trying to piece together... All of these people are having a similar event of what happened to that kid in the 70s. So you see that kid all grown up. He's Dr. Thaddeus Savannah, which is a, which is Shazam or Captain Marvel, but Shazam's main nemesis in the in the comic books, or at least one of them. Def, definitely from, I believe, the second issue. Yeah, but if like you're a casual viewer and you're just looking at this person, like, is this Lex Luthor? I'm pretty sure this is just Lex Luthor. Which brings us to what happened with this character in the past, but we will get to that. I think that's really important. Well, Dr. Savannah, then he, he pieces together and finds a way to go back to Shazam, and then he steals the power of the Seven Sins, they which goes into his eyeball. Yeah. They like the seven deadly sins like we chose our champion and then they like Yeah. Go into so they're his all eye. like these gargoyles and like you said just like Ghostbusters like Zool from Ghostbusters they all go inside his eye and then they can all come out of his eye and then he goes to his what's revealed to be his dad mm-hmm. who's now in a wheelchair all these years later so he actually survived and he goes and he kills his dad and his brother and the entire board. Board of directors of this company. Yeah. Um, and that was actually, ironically, like with the assistant joke, which is the assistant's on the other side of the door and he's seeing all this stuff happen. He runs away was when the movie really started getting funny for me. I was like, oh, this is funny. Exactly. This movie is hilarious. Yeah. Like I thought that. And not not even in a trying to be funny way. It's a very it's very natural. Absolutely. Throughout the film. Um, and so then. You know, finding a perfect, pure champion for Shazam isn't exactly a priority at this point. He's like, I just kind of need somebody who is going to fulfill this requirement. And then, like, Billy, in a moment of... He defends his now foster brother... Freddy. Freddy. And so then the powers that be, Shazam sees that, so he's like, hey, this is the first guy since this happened, that meets our requirements vaguely, even though to this point, like, obviously, like, we've seen Billy do some less than <laughs> kosher things. Yeah, so he gets the power of Shazam. He holds the staff. Shazam, like, say my name. So he says Shazam, and boof, he becomes Shazam. But Shazam is all of your best potential. Yeah, it's like you fulfilling your best potential possible. So it's not to say that this is, like, definitely who he's going to be when he grows up. It's, like, who, like, he's capable of being in his best version of himself is my interpretation exactly. of yeah, that. Definitely. So he becomes a grown-up superhero. Yeah. And that's where the movie obviously really kicks in when the main character becomes a superhero. But also he has to now deal with these powers. And I didn't even pick up on this first, but in retrospect... He then, once he gets the costume and he becomes the superhero and becomes an adult, he goes through all seven sins. Mm -hmm. So. Definitely. Then he realizes, like, he's like, holy crap, I am adult one. (laughs) Like, suddenly, hello, I'm I'm Zachary Levy. Yeah. (laughs) So he immediately immediately tells Freddy. Yeah. And then they go out to start doing tests to figure out if he like what his superpowers are, you know, like they start doing that. But then they go to the mini mark. Yeah. Well, even before that, they're in a park and he's like, I'm going to go save that woman who's getting her purse stolen. So yet he, he ends up running over there, which he didn't even know he can do. And then 
then the woman's like, I already took care of it. Like I sprayed him with mace. He's the one that's screaming, (laughs) which is really funny. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. And then they go to the, the convenience store to try to, to drink beer for the first time in the convenience store. It's being robbed, obviously, because why wouldn't it be robbed? This is a superhero movie, after all. So the bad guys then shoot at Zachary Levi, and all of the bullets smush just like the Superman bullet. Yeah, so they're like, shoot me in the face! Like he's, It's like really, it's really, really it's hilarious. Silly. Yeah. It's such a fun moment. So then they get the beer, right? And they, they walk out, they chug back a beer each, and then they spit it out and they're like, this is disgusting. And then it cuts real quick. And then they have a ton of candy and Red Bull and all of this and crazy like, Fritos, fun. Fritos, not Cheetos. And then they eat them all. Uh, which is gluttony, which is totally. If, if you go into the seven sins of what yeah. he's going through. We did mention this is set in Philadelphia, which they definitely pay that off in different aspects in the movie. They use the sets and like Geno's and different like. Philly references, so that obviously the Rocky Steps, yeah, which play a is used a few part. different times in it. They also have like a really great like montage. I thought like because montages can be really really tired, yeah, you know, and difficult to actually accomplish well and entertaining. And I thought they did a really 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 great job. It was like, really funny. I'm learning to be a superhero, and I'm doing these things. You know, like, one of the things they're like, oh, what are the things we can do now? That you're an adult because it's obviously what they're doing. And then they go to a strip club, which is one of the funniest. And which would be lust. Yeah. Which would definitely be lust. But then it was so funny because then it's like he goes in and like five minutes afterwards, he comes out and he's like, I need more money. And it's like, how did you lose all your money? It's (laughs) like it just disappeared. I don't know what to say. And then they definitely call back on that later on, which we'll get to later. But then obviously things can't just be hunky dory in this situation. Like he isn't taking being a superhero seriously. He isn't being a champion. There's like a villain out there and he needs to get his crap together about this. Yeah. And he's a kid. So he's just trying to make money off of turning into an adult really. Mm -hmm. So he's going around and he's like doing cool things for people just so that they would give him money. Yeah. So he's like, he does this like really great bit that they do. Just doing it for the uh, gram on uh, the Rocky steps. He's like lightning, lightning with my hands. Making lightning with my hands. Lightning with my hands. Dude. <laughs> Just really, he is making lightning with his hands. With the Rocky theme. And so, like, he in, he's doing this instead of helping Freddy out, like, proving to the bad guys at school that, like, he's friends with Shazam. Because, you know, Freddy's been going out and putting Shazam's, act, like, all of his little actions and everything he's been doing, like, his training on Blast, on YouTube, making him a star, you know? So people know who he is. And so rather than helping Friday, Billy is as Shazam is like screwing around, you know, making lightning with his hands. And then he inadvertently like hits this bus on this freeway freeway. And then suddenly we're in speed. And then suddenly you're like, this is the movie speed. Yeah. And this is at this moment and throughout the movie, there are these almost Spielbergian reactions that people are having to Shazam and to all of the situations that are happening. And I feel like this is something that Joss Whedon tried to do and failed at when making Avengers, which is shift the focus from the superheroes to the people on the street, which is what the comic Marvels did. It showed Mm -hmm. you moments in Marvel history, but from the perspective of people on the street. I feel like this movie has done it the best and did it so well. 
seeing just people's reactions to the situations that were happening. I think it captured people's reactions beautifully in that aspect. Definitely. So you see all these people on the bus and they're all falling. So of course, Billy saves them all. And, but then Freddie's like, you made that happen. You were being stupid and you made that happen. And then this is all happening on television. And that's when the villain, Dr. Savannah comes and corners Billy. And then they have a fight through the city. And they have a fight that then leads to the mall where we meet like one of the best ongoing bits that happen in the movie because this is Christmas time as well, which like makes an argument. Should this movie be released in Christmas? Was, Whatever. It, su- was it supposed to be was released in Christmas? Christmas? It, it maybe because it is during set during Christmas. So there's a, like a Santa Claus. So Santa Claus has a little girl on his lap and she's, she's really nervous. And he's like, don't worry. Santa Claus will always be here for you. And then like the villain comes in through the ceiling and then he like throws the kid and goes running. Ah, like a little ah. bitch. Santa Claus in this movie was amazing. amazing. And they do it like four times. They do. Yeah. Like, like they break the rule of three with the rule it. Of three. This is so funny. It's happening four different times. So you see him at different points. Yeah. And the last one is probably my favorite, which we'll get to probably at the end. Yeah, so, and then also when we're at the mall through this, like, grand escape, Billy, like, like Shazam's trying to get away from wannabe Lex Luthor, you know? And they have one of one of the best parts of the movie, which is the homage to Big they do. Because there are a lot of parallels, I would say, between this and Big, which oh, is definitely. a compliment to this movie. Big is a perfect movie. It's one of the perfect, like, wish fulfillment movies, which is really hard like, to accomplish correctly, you know, because suspension of disbelief and whatever you want to say. And Tom Hanks is extraordinary in it. And so is Zachary in this. And they do the iconic floor piano floor piano scene very, very well. Um, Yeah. And then also in that toy store, you know, there's Batman and Superman action mm -hmm. figures. Um, And so then Billy realizes this guy is more powerful than I am. Like, cause I haven't done my, like I haven't done my training. Like I don't know anything and it's just me. And he has all these seven deadly sins. And so then he says Shazam so that he'll be a kid and he runs away. But then the villain notices that Freddy, because Freddy is well, like we haven't touched upon this. Freddy is handicapped in a way where his leg is impaired. So he has to like walk with a little brace cane situation. Yeah. And so like, that's one of the reasons why they've kind of gotten to comfort, like Billy and Freddy have kind of been butting heads is that Freddy thinks he should be using his powers for good. And that because he wishes he had superpowers, you know, because he isn't you know, physically 100%. And he feels that although he's really smart and he is really great, that he feels that he obviously wants to be a superhero and that he doesn't want to, you know, have a limp. Yeah, so in many ways, Freddy's jealous of Billy, but Billy's not using the powers correctly and what he needs to be using them for, just saving the world. And there's also three other kids that are at the foster home which are Eugene, Darla, and Pedro. That's what they're named in the New 52. There's Mary. Yeah. Definitely. Pedro. Pedro. Darla. Darla and Eugene. Yes. Yeah. So four. Um, That's right. Yeah, there's also Mary, which. And so Darla is the only one who knows about Billy being Shazam. And she finds out because uh, Freddie and Billy are bantering back and forth at the no, dinner no, no, table. No, 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 Darla, no. 
Darla's a little girl. Darla's a little girl who finds out because he accidentally goes into her bedroom because he doesn't, he just moved there and he's as Shazam and he doesn't know how to like switch back from Shazam. So she's a loud mouth, Darla is. So she can only keep the secret by them being a good sister would not tell anyone about me. That's right. Yeah. And so then Mary finds out after being saved by Shazam from being hit by a car and he calls her by name and she's like, uh, what? (laughs) <laughs> yeah what are you doing so they they all find out yeah. that billy is shazam yes again because like what you were saying that she saw the footage of them bickering and was like that's how they're like they bicker freddie and billy and that's how freddie for some reason is bickering with shazam yeah they do know each other <laughs> yeah so Dago was like you finally figured it out they're like you knew that bitch no they don't say that. But that's what they yeah. said with their eyes. Yeah. Because <laughs> she knew it all along. So basically what happens is that the villain sees Freddy there and is like, bingo, and zeroes in on him because he's searching for, for Billy, you know? So then they track down all the foster kids, the foster home, and he gets takes them all hostage, you know? Yeah. So then... He has to protect them. He has to protect all of his foster siblings because their parents aren't there because they're trying to find Billy at that point. Because yeah, Freddie the entire time is yelling, arch nemesis, arch nemesis, yeah, yeah. or evil so villain. So then through like the eye power and him finding out the information, they like go back to the Shazam world. Yeah, to, to the Shazam secret lair. Yes. And then they almost get defeated by the bad guy and then they get out and then they go to like a room who has all the different doors. And we've seen like, cause like we've seen that's how some people get into this world. They go through doors. Um, yeah. So we have Eugene opens one of the doors and it's like these two crocodiles in suits having an argument and like We're playing, having a card game. Yeah. They're playing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's like alligators in suits playing poker. Yeah. yeah and then they're like, <laughs> Why are you in our house? And then try attacking him. And you're like, what did I just I see? shuts like, the door. What's going on? And it's on? almost like Monsters, Inc. how oh. there's all the different doors. Yeah. And so then they have to get out. And it's like, Billy, how did you get out before? And it's like, I just thought about the place I'd been. So he's like, think about some place you'd been. Because they're about to get attacked by the seven deadly sins. And then he's like, he thinks about, you know, a place that's obviously been on his mind. So he, like, accidentally takes all of them, including Darla, who's, like, an adorable eight-year-old or whatever, how old she is, to the strip club. And so you just hear <laughs> screaming and say, why are you closing my eyes? And then they run out. Like, this, the, the, was this really the place that was on your mind? Yeah. Like- and then, like, it's so funny, like, Freddy comes out and, like, Two minutes, like maybe a minute later, with glitter all over his face. I don't know if you noticed that. That was <laughs> yeah. definitely something I noticed. So that was the completion of the uh, perfect strip club joke. And then we end up at a carnival, which obviously is a trigger for Billy. Yeah, since hello. that's where he. Oh, sorry, we forgot to say that Billy found out who his mom was, and she was a crazy, crazy. No, no, she just was a young, young mother who didn't know how to be a mother, and then was. She like, was only seventeen at the time that Billy ran away he didn't run away he let go of her well, hand he, to get the thing yeah. and then she saw him and then well she panicked at first and then she saw him and just like was like he'll have a better life without me and when billy saw her he sees her right before he makes a decision to like save his family and do all that type of stuff 
but he, he, so he makes the decision her, that they are now his family too, the foster family. That like being related to someone doesn't mean they're your family because exactly. his mom like let you know his mom let go. Like his mom didn't want him. You know, it really sad. It was really sad, and you know, it was really rough. And obviously, makes me think of Ray from Star Wars because she was a nobody whose parents, you know, just left her. Didn't care about her at all. <sighs> He's poor sorry, foster guys. Sorry, kids. sorry. We'd never get into that type of stuff because I don't think we're supposed to talk about those things. But if you still think that Ray is a Skywalker or a Solo yet, she could still become a Solo, Loki. But you uh, were she sorely be, mistaken. She can become I'm a, a solo. Skywalker so- Solo. She yeah. could become a Skywalker Solo. She can become a Solo. Yeah, but Solo isn't even that family's real name. Anyway. 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 Besides the point. They're both nobodies who were thrown away by their parents. Anyway, so now... Billy fully embraces his new family, his foster family, and he gets back to... At the carnival. Now we're at the carnival. We're at the carnival, guys. This is the carnival. We've made it to the carnival. Santa Claus is here again. (laughs) He's like, shit, this is happening again. And like, is the first one to like take off running, obviously, when shit hits the fan. Yeah. Also, at some point, they also play Mortal Kombat in this movie. And I just want to say Mortal Kombat is a Warner Brothers property. Mm. They completely own everything Mortal Kombat. They make the games themselves now with the original, half of the original creators. And so then we're at the carnival, seven deadly sins are out, all these things are going on. And when they had the big, when they had gone back to the lair of Shazam, the bad guy got hold of Shazam's staff, which is what gave the power to Billy. And so now he has he wants it that power. and he wants that power himself. So then they kidnap all of the kids, basically. All the descendants sins have all the kids and Billy's like, holy sh- like, how am I going to get out of the situation? And then he remembers what he has to do. He remembers he has a flashback to like, the moment that he, like, the words that were said to him. And then he creates a distraction. And then and then he has all of his foster siblings put their hands on the staff and he says, say my name. And then all of them at once say, Billy! <laughs> so funny like all the audience lost lost their minds completely at that point and they're like no like the name that i you know like that so then they all say shazam and then fog all of this stuff happens and then suddenly the fog clears and they're all like adults now and then i was like holy shit that's ross butler as Eugene, and then more importantly, oh my god, oh my god, Adam Brody is Freddy. Who played Seth Cohen Who on the OC. And I was like, oh my god, I can't believe, I can't believe it. What perfect casting like, for that little kid. I, such good casting, such good casting, I can't even, I was so excited. I was so excited for Ross Butler, I was so excited, I can't even talk about it. I love Adam Brody so much. Again, the foster family through line of this movie is so beautiful and works yeah. so well. And then having them all become adult superheroes too is perfect. It it makes the movie so perfect, especially with the origin story of Captain Marvel Shazam, which we can get into next once. Yeah. So then basically they kick their butts, right? 
like they become they like kick the seven deadly sins butts and and they... Fred and Freddy as as superhero Adam Brody then saves the bullies that are on a Ferris wheel <laughs> gives some elevator wedgies like they gave him <laughs> yeah like, so or suitcase like, wedgies suitcase are you giving me a suitcase wedgie <laughs> <It's laughs> flying off I don't even want to know what an elevator wedgie is that sounds ten times worse <laughs> sorry guys. <laughs> But yeah, so they save the day, and then, you know, they are all have the pace, the, the capability to be superheroes now. Yeah. And before, in the middle of the movie, Freddy is like, to the bullies, you're going to see my buddy Shazam tomorrow. He'll be here. And throughout the entire movie, too, they never call him Shazam. They keep making up all these different names for him, and they keep using... One of them, specifically, is captain thunder something which is funny because just i believe captain thunder was his original name mm. for a moment one of his original names yeah yes. so it's funny that that the idea of what his name is since it technically is captain marvel is is played with throughout the entire film yeah um and yeah because like they had the huge falling out we talked about where it's like you're gonna defend me and freddie like, and billy yeah. so then like the first ending <laughs> like, yeah, so this movie has two post-credit sequences. It has a mid-credit sequence and then the post-credit sequence for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so obviously Billy, as Billy doesn't show up at that time in the middle of the movie as Shazam, so Freddy gets his butt kicked then. So then it's the end of the movie, and Freddy is sitting down eating dinner lunch. or eating lunch at school. At school, and then his foster siblings all end up sitting around him too. And then he's like, what is happening? You guys have different lunch periods. Why would you be eating with me right now? And then Billy comes out as Shazam. And then he's like, and I also brought a special friend with me. And then it's Superman, but we don't actually see the face of Superman. It's not Henry Cavill. It's not, it's not Brandon Roth. It's not Brandon Roth. It's not Dean Cain. Exactly. It's it's just cut it's off. It's not somehow Christopher Reeves. <laughs> yeah. it's not George sure. Reeves. No, it's it's it, you know the frame is cut off at the shoulders, so you can't actually see his head. And then it cuts the credits, and then we have this fun credit sequence that's an animated Shazam hanging out with Wonder Woman and Batman and Superman and Aquaman, and yeah. it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. The one one of the best little cartoons they have is when Shazam steals <laughs> the Batmobile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does not like that. Then uh, they have another post-credit sequence, which is them just like, can he communicate with fish? Well, that's the final post-credit oh, yeah. sequence. There's one before that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they set up something we didn't talk about, which is that one of the things that the six wizards were protecting was this caterpillar, and then when the seven deadly sins broke out, that caterpillar also broke out. And then when Mark Strong, wannabe Lex Luthor. Dr. Savannah, yeah. Dr. (laughs) Savannah is like, you know, insane in, I assume, Arkham prison, like, you know, like he's in prison. The caterpillar comes to him. He's like, we're going to get these bitches. Yeah, which is obviously, it's another Shazam villain, which is setting up the sequel. And then the post credit sequence after all of the credits happen, it's then. Billy as Shazam and Freddy. Billy has a fish, a goldfish in a bowl, 
and he's really focusing because that's the whole point. They're like, how how do you fly and how do you run real fast? How do you shoot lasers out of your eyes? Oh, you just focus really hard. So he's focusing really hard and he's like, yeah, I don't think I can do this. And then you see Freddy cross off communicate with fish. And then he's like, I think it's kind of silly anyway. What would we do with that power? And then Freddy's like, oh, and he, and he starts pointing to his shirt, which is the Aquaman symbol. Yeah. So yeah, very funny. Uh, the I love that had a post credit sequence. I mean, if we go back to Batman Begins, Batman Begins had a post credit sequence, you know, mm-hmm. with the Joker card. Mm-hmm. So that was very appropriate and really fun. The movie was just really, really fun. And I think the feeling that I got from it, it reminded me of the Joel Schumacher Batman movies, but in a good way. Absolutely. The bright colors, the fun. This seems like a continuation of those 90s DC Comics Warner Brothers films. Absolutely. I love those movies so much, but I'm partial to them personally. Yeah, I mean, Batman Forever would be my favorite Batman movie. I know it's not the best Batman movie, but it's my favorite Batman movie. It's a great Batman movie. Don't let anyone tell you. The only reason why it isn't isn't the best one, and I will tell you this, is because Luke Perry is not Robin in that movie. Why? Like, why wasn't Luke Perry Robin? Yeah, it makes no sense. This is the question I have right now. With why wasn't Jason Priestley Robin? I would have accepted either of them. Chris O'Donnell, go suck it. We love you, Chris O'Donnell, <laughs> but... Yeah. You were not that relevant in the 90s. Yeah, those other two were much more relevant in the 90s. So I want to go back to now the origin of Shazam and where he originates from. Wilford Hamilton Captain Billy Fawcett started Fawcett Publishing in 1919 with the release of the Mad Magazine-like magazine Captain Billy's Whizbang, and Wiz was spelled W-H-I-Z. Fast forward to 1939, and they create Fawcett Comics after they saw National Comics' success with Superman and Batman. So in that same year as Batman's debut, they debut their first superhero, Captain Marvel. But before he was Captain Marvel, Bill Parker was developing six separate characters with six different superpowers. They would each get their superpowers from different mythological figures. Then the executive director suggested combining all the characters into one character with the power of all six, and then that's when Captain Thunder was created which explains the lightning bolt on Shazam's chest. And throughout this movie, they're calling him Captain Thunder something, or they're using Thunder as his name. They get very silly with it. They call him probably 50 different names throughout this movie to really play home this, this fun that they're having with his name and fun that we've been having with his name throughout the entire mythology of this character. So, They released the comic book under two different names initially, Flash Comics and Thrill Comics. But Fawcett Comics then realized the trademarks were already taken for not only Flash Comics and Thrill Comics, but also for Captain Thunder. So also C.C. Beck was the illustrator of the character. If you go into the movie, they do mention very briefly Billy's father's name. And I believe he's in a prison in Florida. Or he died in Florida or something like that. They say it very quickly in the movie. But uh, they do say that the dad's name is CC something Mm. in the movie, which is a reference to the original illustrator and a co-creator of this character. So they went with 
Captain Marvelous back in the day, and then they shortened it simply to Captain Marvel. And the book was renamed to a trademark they already had, Wiz Comics, which goes back to that original magazine that Fawcett was releasing, which was Captain Billy's Wiz Bang. So again, W-H-I-Z. The writer's goal with Shazam at the beginning was simple. It was to go away from the silly pulp they saw other comic publications pump out, and they wanted to deep dive into the mythology of classical times. So that's why Shazam, the word actually stands for Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, and Mercury. And with all of those powers combined, you get the superhero of Shazam. Now, again, originally this was going to be six different characters with six different superpowers, so each one, like one was going to have the power of Solomon, one was going to have the power of Hercules, uh, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, and Mercury, but instead they all are combined into this one character. Yeah, something that they touch upon in the movie. They mention all of that, where he has the power of all of these gods. Yeah, the original Shazam, Digimon Hansu, says that uh, in the film. And also, Billy Baston's name came from Captain Billy, Captain Billy's whiz-bang that's what it's called, right? Yeah, just Captain Billy's Whizbang, I guess, magazine. Captain Billy's Whizbang magazine. So then in issue two, uh, Dr. Savannah was there of the original run. And in 1941, Mary Baston, who was Billy's twin, and Freddie Freeman were also superheroes, respectively called Mary Marvel and Captain Marvel Jr. Now, they would stay kids when transforming back in the Fawcett comic days. National Comics, a.k.a. what is now DC Comics, sued Fawcett Comics over the similarities of Captain Marvel slash Shazam to Superman. He ceased publication and gave National Comics $400,000 at that time. 1953 was the last year for Fawcett Comics. The creative team behind Captain Marvel went on to work for DC Comics. In 1963, they even snuck Captain Marvel illegally into issue 43 of the Lois Lane comic, which I believe was called like Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane. <laughs> Fawcett Publishing struck a deal with DC Comics in 1972 to license the characters. And that's when DC Comics came out with Shazam, the original Captain Marvel, until issue 15, when it was retitled Shazam, the world's mightiest mortal. In 1974, due to a cease and desist letter from Marvel Comics, who had since in that time created their own Captain Marvel. That sucks, because they had it first. <laughs> yeah. Just really unfortunate, honestly. Yeah, like, that doesn't seem fair, but whatever. Things aren't fair. Yeah. But now we're in the more DC Comics realm, and legally, DC Comics wasn't allowed to call the comic book Captain Marvel but still within the continuity, they're calling the character ca Captain Marvel. Hmm. That seems very confusing. Very confusing, which you can see why they made it confusing that his name, that he didn't have a name throughout the entire movie. Totally. So previous to Crisis on Infinite Earths, they made Shazam's continuity part of Earth-S. After Crisis on Infinite Earths in 1985... The new version of Shazam kept Billy's personality when he becomes Shazam, which justified the sunny 1950s personality in the original run in a way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the 19, you know, he almost had like a childlike look on the view on the world and he does now and it's more justified. By 1991, DC Comics took control of all of the Shazam rights, including the other characters 
from Fawcett Publishing, which was now owned by CBS Publications, Fawcett Publishing. Billy, Freddie, and Mary are part of the original lineup, but in 2011, for the New 52 reboot, they added Eugene, Darla, and Pedro. All six would turn into one Captain Thunder, which gets back to Shazam's origin. So for the New 52, yeah, they had the six of them turn into what was the original character. So they got back to that original idea I was talking about earlier. This is also the New 52 back in 2011 is where Billy became a foster kid. So that actually hasn't been in the comics that long, but it works so well in this movie. And I remember back in 2011, people were complaining about him being a foster kid because, you know, Mary was his twin sister and, Every, they were all connected, and now it felt that they weren't. But, you know, the movie is about that. It's about having them connect more, just not through blood. Yeah, just tap on your chosen family. Yeah. My big thing was even before seeing this movie, I have a big conspiracy theory. Are you guys ready for this? Is that everyone's been going around. I've seen so many articles about why did James Gunn go back to Marvel? Why is he back to Guardians of the Galaxy 3? Why did Disney allow Why him to come Disney back? Why did Disney allow this to happen? Especially because he's been at, you know, he's obviously going to be doing Suicide Squad Suicide Squad 2. The uh, Suicide Squad. <clears throat> sorry. It's not, sorry. It's not a sequel, guys. It's not. Will Smith isn't going to be in it. What good is this movie to me? Whole other thing. So people are like, why did they, this happen? Why did they suddenly make this announcement? I will tell you guys why. It happened the day after the first reviews for Shazam came out. This movie was so good. Disney had no choice but to bring James Gunn back to their fold because they needed him back there. Because you could have argued that the success of the former DC movies that they've had Such so as far, Wonder Woman and Aquaman, the yeah. two successful ones post-Christopher Nolan. Could be seen as a drawn audience Due to sexuality, se- like sexual exploitation of these characters. And I'm not just saying the superheroes because look at that Wonder Woman, Chris Pine is sexualized to the 10th degree in yeah, that and movie. He's, he's cupping his junk in that movie <laughs> yeah. and he's super sexualized in Wonder Woman. But so is Jason Momoa. I mean, Warner Brothers sold that movie based off of mothers loving Jason yeah. Momoa. How many memes did you see about mothers going to see Aquaman? Your mom sent you a meme about mom seeing Aquaman. Exactly, Chris. yeah. Like, that's how many. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's a thing. It's definitely And a they thing. pushed it. They pushed it they on pushed daytime it. talk shows. Absolutely. And it had a huge built-in audience as well because of Game of Thrones. And although, like, obviously, R.I.P. to his character in Game of Thrones is that he doesn't last long, but his... His legacy is there, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing that DC needs to realize. And I think they're realizing that now, especially with getting Zachary Levy's Levi and getting Jason Momoa and even Gal Gadot to a degree. They're finally getting people who are almost famous, who have been in big things, but haven't been the main thrust of that big thing. Or have very niche audiences, because Chuck was like a huge show and people really appreciated that. And then like, you know. Yeah, but they aren't huge movie stars. They're TV stars, but they aren't huge, huge movie stars. And this becoming 
the superhero becoming Wonder Woman, becoming Aquaman, becoming Shazam is teetering them over the edge and making them f- super famous. But I think that's what they need to do. I think that's the perfect type of actor to get to be in these movies. Absolutely. Not Ben Affleck. Sorry, Ben. Yeah, you're not but, Batman. One, you're not Batman. I'm yeah. sorry. I don't know why anyone... I don't understand that. But, like, that's not your fault. It's, it's not like you were like, it's I'm not your Ben fault. Affleck and I want to be Batman. Listen, you wrote these words in Goodwill Hunting. It's not your fault. Yeah, it's not your fault. It's just, not your fault. Just, just, just remember that. So I truly believe that Marvel really did not consider DC to be a threat. Like, good for you. You guys made Suicide Squad. You got that together. Oh, you made Wonder Woman. That was that was good. Maybe we'll do. Maybe we'll maybe we'll make Captain Marvel in response to that. You know, maybe we'll make our own female superhero movie. And then when Aquaman came along, they were like, "Oh, well, that did really well it as well." It looks like DC's writing their ship. Yeah, you know. Ironically, then, it took the water movie to write their ship. And then it took them, you know, losing James Gunn, and they didn't even act upon that. Like his deal with DC has been done for months. It isn't like this deal just came out this year. This is like last year's news, you know? So why would they do this now? It's because they knew Shazam was so goddamn good because it is so goddamn good that they should be shitting bricks. I would be, and they clearly are. That's the only reason why you would Disney as a family-friendly brand where like you bring your grandmother there with like your six-month-old like nephew, you know, to go somewhere and you're going to rehire... A guy who makes jokes about... Well, fuck, made. made jo- past no, tense. Disney knew who he was when they well, hired definitely. him. And yeah. that was their mistake for, not, for like, one, hiring a property, which you are. Like, you're he is a property. Like, he is, like... Yeah, and he... He's a talent, you know? And they should have known better than to hire someone who casually makes jokes about uh, fucking kids. I think that that was, you know... I mean, he made a show for FX called James Gunn's PG Porn, So, which Disney now owns since they own FX, but that's besides the point. But the idea that he even presented it as James Gunn's PG Porn, like yeah. he was the branding for it. They knew exactly what they were getting into when they hired him. Yeah, but then they realized it wasn't part of their brand and that they have the opportunity to be the monsters that they are in this industry now that they can hire whatever they want. So maybe I don't think that a man who makes these type of jokes would recommend, would like really be my brand. So they didn't want him. And it took this movie being so good, secretly so good, so much so that they're doing early release things so people will get the word out there. Like, this is the reason why. And I, like, no one can tell me anything different because there is no other reason other than Disney being scared shitless. Because they also know that the the live action, you can't, you can't see me, guys, but I'm doing quotations when I say live action remakes are going to flop this year. Except for maybe Dumbo, because I'm not going to see it because I'm not seeing any of those movies. But that looks really good, but very traumatic, like the regular Dumbo. God, yeah, but damn it. Will Smith's Aladdin is going to be really bad. Oh, how dare they? And there's no need to do this to The Lion King. It's 
just silly. Yeah, but whatever. This is not a, this is not a Disney podcast. This is this is a Warner Brothers podcast. So let's stick to Shazam. Let's stick to Shazam. This is a game changer for them, and they know it. They definitely know absolutely it. like one hundred and fifty percent. They are confident this movie is going to be hit because it is, guys. It one hundred percent is. I that's, cannot wait to see this movie over and over again. This that's is why they did the movie. early screenings of it. They knew it was a hit. They want positive yeah. word of mouth, and it's like, and real, they're getting it definitely. And like even in the credits, it was cool. Like for me, like I love Adam Brody, so he still gets like fifth billing in that, and he was obviously not in any more than maybe 10, 15 minutes of that movie. Yeah. So it's an indication of what's to come. So. Very excited for that to see Adam Brody and Zachary Levi play off each other is going to be great. Did you know that he was attached to be Flash for a long time? It makes sense. That's why he got this. I'm sure it was because they did have him attached for a long time to be the Flash. And then like he just no longer is that age bracket for him to be able to play the Flash character. Yeah. But so it's like really cool that they finally are giving him something. They're giving Mr. Leeton Meester something to do. Yeah, it's really great. And he was really great in the 10 minutes that he was there. I'm excited to see Ross Butler in the yes. sequel. I'm excited to see all of them. I literally like screamed when I saw them and I pointed. Like, why would I point? I pointed in the middle of the theater to be like, oh my God. It was pretty remarkable. Uh, Yeah, so final thoughts on Shazam. It was so snappy, so funny. Really just felt like more like a superhero movie that's actually a superhero in the... But like kick-ass, kind of. Yeah, I think that DC Comics has finally found their branding for giant tentpole superhero movies, which is... Which they've had all along. They've had it since Batman Forever. They just didn't know how to do it again and do it properly again. They got so scared with Batman and Robin that they turned on a dime and they decided to go so dark and earnest with Batman Begins and the whole Dark Knight trilogy with Nolan and really try to justify everything into the story world. And that's what really created the modern superhero movie, justifying everything within the story world is what Iron Man did. And then now we, now we get back to DC really fully embracing what they've always been doing all along. It's dark, but it's funny. It's because there's so much darkness in this movie. I think from our villains origin story to our heroes origin story, there's dark elements to this, like that are rooted not in like hypothetical things, but emotional, like traumatic events, you know, which I think is really relatable but I think for me personally in my life and things I've seen is that so much humor comes from the worst situations in life. Like there's so many, like you may not laugh at it now, but funny things are said during it. And years from now, you know, the awful things that are happening to you are hilarious. Yeah. Like your mom not caring that she doesn't have to raise you for her entire life is yeah. such an awful thing to see. But it, it's funny. It could be funny later on. Or just like realistic to life that like, Newsflash, some people shouldn't be parents. Absolutely. And and I think that this movie, we see two examples of that with our hero and our villain is that guy who's like cursing out his kid. Like, you shouldn't be a parent, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, you shouldn't be a parent either if you're going to like abandon your kid. That's true. I mean, the parallel between the hero and the villain Definitely. are that the, both their parents don't care about yeah, them. They're, they're not wanted. But they both deal with it in completely different ways. Yeah. 
because it's just about how you deal with the tragedies of your life. Because no one's life is easy, and that's what this movie really touches upon. And you have can either rise to the occasion, or you can, you know, let the seven deadly sins take your eye out. Yeah. <laughs> take your body over and take your eye out. And that was the thing with him. It was that once all the sins come out of him, then he's weaker. So Shazam, Billy just has to pull the final the final sin out of him. Just pull his eye out. Super cash. Yeah, just, so. just take his eye out, guys. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know. Yeah. Well, he gets the final sin out of him, and Dr. Savannah starts falling, and, you know, Shazam obviously saves him, saves He's his life. He's a good guy. He's a champion. Yeah. But yeah, so guys, like, don't be afraid to go see this movie. It's going to be great. Uh, a lot of cursing, I would say, but not... But we like, spoiled the whole movie Yeah, already. so <laughs> you've, like, you probably should not... You should, why are you listening to this if you haven't seen the movie? Go see the movie. Yeah. And go see the movie again if you've already seen it. I'm going to go see it a few more times, definitely. For sure. And then the next DC film up on the docket is Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah, which is, guys, it's not a sequel. It's a standalone movie. We're Indiana Jones times. Exactly. And this felt very standalone. Absolutely. You know, you see the newspapers for a second that seem to be what happens in Batman versus Superman mm-hmm. and Man of Steel, but maybe not. I mean, again, we don't see Henry Cavill's face and they make Superman and Batman feel very... They're just obviously in this world. I mean, they're important to the story because they're inspiring the people within it. And literally every freaking kid in this goddamn movie is wearing a DC logo Property, yeah. on their backpack or their person at all times, you know? So it's, they're definitely in the world, in the zeitgeist, but they're just like, you know, like any heroes we have in our world. But like, who are our heroes? Like, Barack Obama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson. Like, no. who are your personal superheroes, you know? So, just people that are, like, in the zeitgeist of our world, and so they are, but, like, because they're the heroes, you know? Yeah. But they don't overshadow it, and they don't need bookends like Wonder Woman had of Batman for some reason, and you're like, why is Ben Affleck in this movie? <laughs> Sorry, Ben Affleck, I think you're an amazing director and writer. Well, that was the, yeah, that's really the only thing that ruined... Not Wonder ruined Wonder Woman. Woman, but the only thing that was like, eh, you don't need to have Batman in no. this. You don't need to frame your first female superhero movie yeah. around a male. No. Like that just is inappropriate. But yeah. that's another story for another time. So this has been Chris Taylor and Holly. And that's all, folks. Roar! This has been a full dinosaur production. Meow. All right. So we just went through the entire episode. Holly mentioned that Adam Brody was attached as the Flash slash Barry Allen in a DC Comics property. And I didn't say it during the podcast, but I remembered that it was actually George Miller's Justice League Mortal he was going to be in. Yeah. Because this was right after the success of the OC, so he was a hot commodity, especially in the comic book world, because of his character of Seth Cohen loves comic books. So they wanted to incorporate him and that brand and to have the audience of the OC, which isn't always, I don't want to be controversial, but I feel like the audience of the OC isn't necessarily going to be the audience of, of comic book movies, necessarily. So they wanted to reach into the tween and teen market of females really by casting him and it just didn't work out because at that time dc wasn't doing anything really besides the nolan stuff besides the nolan stuff but that wasn't 
I think in tone of what they wanted the Flash movie of Adam Brody to be in. It just didn't go along with the vibe so of it. So dark and earnest. Yeah. They couldn't pull off a cinematic universe from that at all either. And at the time, they were going to do two different Batman. So you'd have two different actors playing Batman, one in Justice League Mortal, and then you'd have Christian Bale in the Dark Knight trilogy. Which is a little confusing, but is it any more confusing than the crap we have today? Like Lego Batman and then regular Batman? And com- and like animated Batman? They're all... And Gotham... And Gotham Batman. Fox TV show Batman. This is another thing I just thought about this as well, is that uh, the reason... Obviously, another person that was in the OC that is in the DC universe, just in their TV universe, is Ryan himself, who's the lead. Yeah. He is Commissioner Gordon, right? He's like a sexy Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. In the he's series Gotham. He's not Gary Oldman. No, he's not. I mean, like, Gary Oldman's also a sexy Commissioner Gordon, just in a very different way, but like a different, like a Ryan Atwood way. Yeah, Ben McKenzie. Ben McKenzie, who, after the OC, he went to play another cop on television in Southland, and then he landed this gig. So I think it is no, honestly, I think that it is, there's... No doubt in my mind that these guys are being used in DC because they were in the OC. Yeah, and I take it back. Gary Oldman is very sexy. Yeah, obvious. <laughs> just a different kind of sexy. We appreciate it all, though. We- yeah. So this George Miller directed. You know, George Miller did Mad Max Fury Road. So this movie would have been incredible to a degree. Like, absolutely, George Miller should still get his own DC Comics property. I fully believe he'll make an incredible movie. You know, all the Mad Max movies are Warner Brothers films. Absolutely. I'd love to see one of his movies and like the tones of his movies in this world as well. It isn't exactly what we have going so far in Shazam, but I definitely think that his voice and his type of movie does have a place in here. Absolutely. Now, I don't think you know who the other people that he had attached to this movie. And so in October 2007, he went from Australia, he came over to LA, George Miller, and he started casting young actors to be in the movie. So as we already said, obviously, you had Adam Brody as the Flash slash Mm -hmm. Barry Allen. So it was going to be Army Hammer as Batman slash Bruce Wayne. See, and there's always rumors still to this day that he will be playing Batman. And I would buy that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the suspension of disbelief for Batman, you have to believe that he is Batman, which unfortunately, with people already covered, I don't. No offense, Ben. No offense. But Batfleck wasn't Batman. He was Batfleck. Yeah. So then DJ Katrona as Superman slash Clark Kent slash Kal-El. Do you know who that is? He was on... Are His he, face is familiar? He was in the G.I. Joe movie. Yeah, he definitely looks like he could be a Superman. Definitely. He's got a good look to him, for sure. And then uh, Megan Gale as Wonder Woman. She's an Australian model who was in Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Uh, Hugh Keys Burn Burn as Martian Manhunter slash John Johns. And he was actually in Mad Max Fury Road as Immortan Joe. So he was the main villain. So basically, Miller just used his cast for this movie into the movie that he actually finally got to make. Yeah. Yeah. And then like Immortan Joe, that actor too, was in the previous Mad Max movies. Mm -hmm. So I think he's in the first one. Uh, Teresa Palmer as Talia Al Ghul. Oh, 
I buy that. Yeah, we ended up getting Marion Cotillard and she's a very in the Nolan ones. She's a very different look, I would say, for that character. Very different look for that character, but I could see that working. Absolutely, Zoe Kazan as Iris Allen. Oh, which would be Barry Allen's wife, I would think. And in the Flash TV show, she's actually black. She's played by Candace Patton. Yeah, and then they have a kid. Spoiler alert. I didn't know that. So superhero. The Allens, right? In the Flash TV show? They don't get together in how far I've gotten, but they do show the future at some point. Yeah. I've never watched... Wait, sorry. I've watched the pilot, and I just follow them all on Instagram, so I know way too much about the show having never seen it she does a great job on the show yeah for sure i've never seen it but my brother is a big fan and my aunt apparently yeah santiago cabrera as aquaman i have no idea who that is so i have really no opinion of him he was oh! he was on heroes yeah and big little lies i he looks familiar he would not you know he would not be who I would cast as Aquaman necessarily. I don't look at him and I'm like, geez, that looks like Aquaman. Was his this choice really influenced by Entourage? Maybe. He, <laughs> like he's Adrian very Gunnier. he's very pretty looking. Yeah, but he reminds me because like in Do People Still Watch Entourage? It's been over for years, but whatever. One of the main things of it is like the lead and the the actor, it's like an inside Hollywood show. So the actor, he's starring in Aquaman. It's one of the, the jokes of the show is that no one's ever done Aquaman before. Is this a marketable hero? And guess what it is, which we've learned here. The highest grossing yeah. DC Comics movie of all time. And it's like, did I believe that guy would be Aquaman? Not really, but HBO told me he would be, you know. But then once we got to our own Aquaman last year... That is obviously Aquaman. Because half the battle is like what we said, is you as the audience accepting that person as a superhero. And I accept that he's Aquaman. Obviously, is he not? Easily, yeah. yeah. Secretly, he is, like, in his life. So easily, I believe that he's Aquaman. Maybe I would have believed that Santiago Cabrera was Aquaman, too. I don't know. We'll never know. We'll never know. Never know. And then Jay Baruchel as Maxwell Lord... Oh, I, you know, I was just thinking about Jay. Jay isn't used enough anymore. He used to be like the token, uh, like Sorcerer's Apprentice. I loved him in that. He's so funny. Yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily think he looks like the character by any means. No, and he'd be a super villain too. Yeah, but I buy that. He's, he's great. I just feel like he isn't necessarily what's in right now, unfortunately, but I think he's great. That's so weird. I was just thinking about him. Why? Like, why was I just thinking about him? I mean, I think about Jay Bruchel every yeah, other day. Yeah, you know? For sure. And then Common as the Green Lantern, like the oh, John Stork Green Lantern. Uh, that would have been good. Yeah, he then, I, he probably kept his DC Warner Brothers contract because he was finally in Suicide Squad as some, like, thug. Yeah, but I think that that's really, like, this movie, this casting is really smart because it feeds into different audience brackets that isn't necessarily a superhero movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, 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 the more and more I'm hearing about, the more convinced I am that that's the case. And, okay, this one is really crazy. I want to see your reaction to it. We both love this actor a lot. Obviously, this can't happen now. But Anton Yelchin as the uh, Wally West Flash. Uh, that's my visceral reaction to it. Because I love Anton Yelchin. And then and then he died, like, RIP, in, like, my biggest fear way of, like, 
a car, your own car, like, yeah, like running you over on an incline. Brakes. People use your emergency brakes for God's sakes. For God, like, uh. please. But he would have been the Wally West version. So like, so yeah, Kid Flash. He would have technically That's been so cool. Which they like they do in the show now, the show, which I've never seen, but I know it's really about. good. No, that's supposed to be really, really, really great. Yeah, I mean, every, well, not every, but most of the CW shows now, they they pretend that they are the Buffy writer's room. So they talk about the big bad, specifically the Flash. They talk about the big bad and all of that. And then one last thing about this, an actress turned down the part of Wonder Woman, which was so silly. Who? Jessica Biel. What is wrong with her? Right? Like, I'm sorry. I'm, I know she's in the center right now, and, like, obviously being married to Justin Timberlake is a massive accomplishment, so congratulations to you, ma'am. But why would you not want to play Wonder Woman after you've been on Seventh Heaven? Okay, I've never seen a Jessica Biel movie. You, you I don't know if you need to. <laughs> um, it's not like she's a bad actress, I just don't feel... I, we need to watch The Sinner, because that's a more mature thing that she's done more recently and i'd be into that yeah i because she was like in the illusionist but i saw the prestige yeah. instead i saw both obviously she was in i now pronounce you chuck and larry yeah. which i regret not seeing yeah i saw that which i'm sure that was have fun I, have I, is there any just could be a movie i've not seen she was in <laughs> some kind of action movie which i didn't was she in gi joe she was in something maybe she was in gi joe i don't know but like you know just could be all Maybe think about that. Next time somebody offers you to play Wonder Woman, maybe, maybe reconsider that option. Yeah, sh yeah. But she is a WB Network alum. Absolutely. So if they, because WB, if you worked for the WB or the CW, you will get recast in one of their properties. It's really great to watch that. And going back and watching a bunch of CW, WB shows and seeing how much they really do incorporate actors today. And I didn't realize they were in stuff before. We're talking about you, Ross Butler. <laughs> we're specifically talking about you, Ross Butler. We love you. About you, but then we're. I'm sorry. I don't think. I don't think they'll hire you again. Unfortunately, no offense. I don't think they will for the CW or WB because, although I I love you, I, I they may be mad at you for leaving <laughs> Riverdale. Yeah. Well, I always wonder, like, if like his leaving Riverdale contract, then he was like. Let me do a superhero movie instead of this no, or something. No. I don't think that's how that worked out. That I that isn't two completely different brackets of how they do things: television versus movies. And more so, they cut out his last scene from Riverdale. They cut his oh, last wow. scene, so that's why I specifically think there's bad blood there. But hopefully, I'm wrong. Regardless, he'll have a very nice career on Netflix when they undoubtedly cancel 13 Reasons Why next season, he'll get cast in something else. So I think everyone caught up now. He was on the first season of Riverdale, and he was on the first season of 13 Reasons Why. 13 Reasons Why was supposed to be a miniseries, but it got picked up for a second season. So he left Riverdale yeah. to be on the second season. And they gave him a meteor role mm -hmm. in 13 Reasons Why season two. Definitely. Uh, yeah, we talked about that earlier in the podcast. But Charles Melton, who replaced the role of Reggie on Riverdale, is really great as well. So he's really great. He's really great. He's really funny. And I'm really... He's going to be in Bad Boys 3. He's got the best facial expressions. He is so funny. I don't know if you guys follow the cast on Instagram. If you don't, you should. Because they're 
hilarious. You and should like, also watch the show. You should also watch the show, but then you can get like, behind the scenes love stories between Mark Consuelos and KJ Apa, which is what I am here for. Exactly. Yeah, KJ Apa does this thing where he has a Mark Consuelos shirt. And he puts it on a bunch of different people, and then he does his Instagram story sh- just showing that person. But then you, he makes it so it seems like there's like a hundred of the shirt, and Absolutely. everyone's wearing it that day. Like, really, truly, the cast of Riverdale does Instagram stories better than most people ever could begin to do Instagram stories. It's really a, pl- a pleasure to watch in seconds increments. They just seem to have a lot of fun. I mean, you should. You're working 16-hour days, a lot of night shoots on that show. Have some fun. If you hear something in the background, it's Mr. Artemis BB Cat playing with something. So He's going crazy. So we'll definitely find that and deal with that later. But yeah, I'm really... Maybe it's for the best that this movie didn't work out. You know, the, the original... Movie that I'm Justice League yeah, Mortal. That Justice, yeah. Obviously, Shazam worked out very, very well. Shazam is my favorite superhero movie, possibly. But I think that regardless of what like your Batman nipple beliefs are, like the '90s Batman movies were great. And Batman they, Forever is very underrated. It is, and I am biased. I know that. And like, spoiler alert: my uncle did the sound effects editing on all of those movies. He was. He's very, he was nominated for a lot of awards and whatnot. And so like, I had insider information about all that stuff going on. It was really, 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 really awesome. So I want the DC brand to do well. It isn't like, because some people instinctually just want Marvel to do well because they hadn't done well in such a long time. But I want DC to make good movies. And I am very happy to say after seeing this movie, they are. Yeah, absolutely. And it isn't a crapshoot. It isn't just like a a success of one movie. This is their third very good movie. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is going to continue. Absolutely. And it'll continue with Wonder Woman 1984. I have all the faith. I'm so excited. I'm so excited Chris Pine's back for it. I don't know how, but... You know, sometimes if you die in a crazy God-inspired, Greek God-inspired, not like Jesus God-inspired, plain lightning issue, things are going to happen. Like, you may come back, Yeah, you know? Maybe he's a superhero now. Maybe or maybe maybe he's the Martian Manhunter and he's just pretending to be, t- pretending to look like Chris Pine. Absolutely. Or maybe, like, it's his relation in somehow, you know? Somehow. Maybe it's his grandson. I don't think... It- Unless Wonder Woman and the Hidden had a secret they were keeping from us. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But yeah, there's this one website. It's called something like, this is how many days since the last time DC Comics has fucked up. So, like, it always resets, like, every couple days because DC Comics oh, will always mess up. They'll always do something stupid. But they've been on a streak now. Let's keep it going with Wonder Woman 1984. I'm excited. It's going to be, I'm excited for it, you know, especially after this. I'm very excited for it. So that's it for our post credit sequence of this episode of the Shazam Spoiler Spectacular. This has been Chris. And Holly. And rate us on iTunes and rate us 50 stars. And if you can't rate us 50 stars, just rate us five. That's it. Bye. That's all, folks.